Hi, and welcome back to All Things Data. Today we're going to talk about whether to buy or build AI systems. It's a big topic and the write-up that goes along with this is actually quite long as opposed to the shorter write-ups that we usually have. You'll probably get a lot of benefit from reading it and even using it as notes when you are making the decision on whether to build or buy a new system generally, not just AI. So without further ado, let's get going. Hi, Victor. What are some of the deciding factors on whether to buy or build AI? Okay, so much like building or buying most technology systems or new systems for our company, you have to start thinking of the total cost of ownership. That's a big deal for people, for companies actually. And a lot is wrapped up in that. At the end of the day though, the biggest hurdle that most companies have when deciding whether or not to build or buy a system is that there needs to be a stakeholder who is going to really be responsible for it. Usually wants to like spearhead that initiative, right? So like somebody's thinking, I'm going to make my career better by getting this AI system and being the hero of our company. That's hard to find in most companies. You know, somebody willing to basically risk their livelihood and job in order to vet a system really, right? And those people often will have a considerable amount of thought and foresight into will the system work with our current IT systems? And will it actually handle our data correctly, especially the live data? Because you will often see claims from a vendor that say they do something brilliantly, whatever it is. However, that's often, you know, with toy data or specific data sets or something like the perfect example, right? Whereas in real life, you need to deal with really messy data because data is sparse. Sometimes it's missing parts of what you expect there to be. Sometimes it comes in garbled. So it has to also react well to real data. And the other thing with this person, the other consideration that they'll usually think through is if they're the business, they're already the generally the people who will buy because you usually go to business for these capital expenditures or expenses period. However, you also have to think of they will have to do a good job of convincing the business itself of the technical merits of the new system. So then it becomes, do you try to convince them of a new system or a project internally, right? So that really leads into what we should talk about next, which is the considerations generally on whether to buy any new technology. What does a company need to think of when deciding if technology meets their needs today? So generally in a buying scenario, and you see this a lot for big, big organizations and government entities, the smart play is to understand all the features that your company needs. So there could be 40, 50 features, whatever it is, right? It could be a big system or a little system. You should come up with a matrix of sorts or a checklist. We've seen these delivered as even just Excel where there's just very simple questions. Do you do X? Do you handle Y? Can you do Z? So you have all these things. And what you want to look for is obviously yeses, because these are the things that matter to you. Um, the next possible and good option is, yeah, it can do it. It doesn't do it automatically out of the box, but it can be configured to do it. 
So that's a pretty good answer. You know, hopefully they'll, they'll bite the bullet and do the configuration for you. Then I guess an okay answer is we don't currently have it, but we could develop it. Mm -hmm. So we could do like some custom development for you. And obviously the worst answer is no. Obviously, no sucks, right? So in terms of features, you really want to key in and you want to distribute that. Even if you're a small company, there's no reason that your vendors can't put into an Excel spreadsheet a yes or no, or mm -hmm. we will develop it. So that really very quickly eliminates a lot of vendors. And it's just strictly like data driven. You're asking them questions and you're not getting on a sales call and listening to the best demo of all time that they've come together, right? Another really uh, top of mind consideration is the user friendliness generally of the solution. You don't want to, in the end, frustrate your internal people if you're buying a new technology. So you want really good and clean user interfaces and user experience, you know, like the classic an easy example to think of is Google. Before Google, there were other search engines, but Google basically said, all we are is search. So that's all you get on Google. You go there and there's just a search bar. It's really, really clean, easy UI, and obviously the user experience is all. The other thing you want to think about today is the security of the actual technology. You can't just think of security in terms of like GDPR, privacy, IP, any of these things you actually have to think of internal security as well. So at what level do you grant and remove access from the system? Like, can it be granular? Can you say you have access to just these modules or this part or administration or something? Mm -hmm. Those are very important features for most right. larger companies. You often want to have an audit trail. So some kind of logging that tells you of all the actions that went into the system. So like that, if something breaks or if something goes wrong, you can trace back and like it's an incident, right? So you're going to want to trace that incident back and probably in some process report on it up to management so that you hopefully don't face that problem ever. You will want to look at, for larger companies, though, a single sign-on. So if you have a system that lets you sign on at work, you know, usually, usually some kind of Microsoft system or something, you want the ability to just use that sign-on to just like push into the new system. You want it to be secure, so many newer systems, and it's pretty common now, just give you a two-factor authorization. So whether that's like a phone or a passcode or whatever. Even with single sign-on, if you have users that are not using the single sign-on for some reason, you would want to have some version of password strength checks. So you want to make sure that password actually is hard to crack and you don't want, you know, password as a password anywhere kind of thing, because those are very hackable. Yeah, so I think that's that's most of what you want to think of for your needs today. How would buyers figure out if the system can continue to meet their needs in the future? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's critically important, obviously. You want to look for systems with flexibility that can evolve with your organization, obviously. So in many of these systems and most of the technology that you're using nowadays anyways, it's largely about automation and workflow. You want to automate some tasks that you were doing before and now you kind of want to brush it away and say some system take care of it, right? So you want to make sure that those automations and workflows can be, can be changed. Right? and can be changed in an intuitive and easy way. You don't want to have to go back to the company and say, hey, we need you to code all this stuff back, and it, that might take some months, right? And then your system's kind of sitting idle for a while. You also want to make sure that the analytics, stats, reporting, whatever, is pretty malleable. You don't want to get to a place where 
they give you a suite of reports and that's all you ever get because your data may not fit exactly how they envisioned everything and you may want reporting that's slightly different or access that's slightly different. You also want to think of a, the ability to change the data model or AI model and whether that's baked into the app and you know rigid or whether you can actually affect those models that could and should be important to you and just generally extensibility like how many more jobs could it possibly do you know does it does it fit your future needs for this kind of workload kind of thing so that's like on the part of flexibility you also want to think of interoperability because you're you're going to have other many other systems and you're probably going to buy other systems at some point so for interoperability, you generally want to deal with a vendor who has really good API and API documentation, obviously, who publishes a lot of examples. It could be white papers, it could be case studies, whatever, but stuff that says, we did this with client B, and client B saw some ROI, and this is the general gist of what we did. They're probably not going to get right in depth, but you'll get an understanding that they can solve problems. You also would love a technology or a platform that you buy that has many integrations. So even when you buy it, you're like, well, now I know that if I need to do this thing, I can either buy it from them, they have an integration for it, or I can buy another vendor's add-on or bolt-on or whatever you want to call it, and it'll solve that problem for me down the future. And lastly, you also want to think of do they have sample code that allows me to or my IT to see what kind of things could be done here? Then also for the future, you're going to want to think of just like generally the innovation of that company. So by that, I, I really mean like the roadmap that they have for the product. So you want to have an idea of how often they release, how many releases they do per month, per year, whatever. And you might want to decide whether or not you can influence that roadmap because that becomes critically important to you as well. Like maybe the technology does 85% of what you want and you're okay with that, but you can influence the roadmap to get to closer to 100% down the future and that's not costing you anything, right? And then finally, you want to think of ecosystems. So like community, the number of partners they have, all the users, are people writing about this? Is there examples and forms and Stack Overflow, all these places? Do they have a large list of clients? And do they provide training? Is there like self-led training that they provide? Do they come in-house and do some training? So there's all of that for thinking of future-proofing your purchase. How should they think about the cost and the budget? Oh, well, cost and budget, it's funny because we leave that to last. I mean, it is sort of like the last bit of the transaction anyways. It, it really is like, oh, we've convinced you to go all the way and now you have to buy. So costs themselves, you have to think, there's like three parts to costs. There's a set of costs, which is obviously about money itself, but also time for configuration and training of your people. So you're going to lose productivity from those people for some time as the system comes on board or they have to configure it or be trained up. And then generally there's going to be some level of change management that's required. Mm -hmm. Like just about any system is going to cause a little level of stress just simply because it's changing something, right? So you're largely going to have to 
obviously bring people to water there, right? The major cost that everybody thinks of is just the licensing costs. So yes, you're gonna have to think of the licensing costs. And here, there's just a caveat that don't expect freemium to really be free. And you're not gonna just get away with the ability to go freemium all the time. If it's worth something, license it. And open source is great, but unless you're going to manage that really well within your own teams, open source without backers, so like no vendor behind it, means that there's nobody to scream at, there's no neck to ring, and it makes it so that you're responsible for everything. And then when you actually have the system and you're licensing it, you've set it up, there's maintenance cost. Maintenance cost, depending on the type of system, if you buy a big honking system and you have to have your own servers and everything, then you're looking at things like sysadmins, network engineers, support levels, maybe tier one, tier two, tier three. Your vendor is still probably gonna support in some way, but you're gonna have to take some of that on if it's this kind of system. You may have servers and you may even need add-ons to this. So that's all part of maintenance cost. And those are like specifically direct and hard costs. And then you also face the problem of frustration internally, burnout by your people from not liking the system or even attrition if mm -hmm. you've chosen the wrong system. And then there's just the cost of time wasted in doing something incorrectly in the system. So yeah, I mean, it's not ever just the licensing cost. There is upfront and there is ongoing costs that add on to the total cost of home trip. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Whether to buy or build a technology system is a big, big question. And we've given you some ideas as to how to navigate that space. Next week, we'll continue on the journey to get you all educated on all things data. All right, have a great week.